The Iowa basketball team knocks off Georgia Tech 81-66. We talk about the win and an instant reaction podcast here with Locked On Now as Chris Murray goes off 31 points and 20 rebounds in the victory in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Alex Padilla has entered the transfer portal. What's next at the quarterback position for the Iowa Hawkeyes? And what do we make of the rumors of former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara joining the Hawkeye program? That's all coming up today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, hit the subscribe button. Gets us in front of you each and every time that we got an episode for you. And on top of it, helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. A gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order and co- with complete confidence today, knowing your order with the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout. How about this? An extra $30 off your order. Iowa 681-66 over Georgia Tech, a game that the Hawkeyes really were in cruise control through most of the game. And not a whole lot of tense moments early in the second half. Georgia Tech had cut it down to four at that point, after a quick run at the end of the first half and into the second, you wondered you know, how this Iowa team was going to respond over the weekend. We saw them blow a big lead against Clemson, ultimately hold on for the victory. And then in the beginning of the second half of the game against TCU, things got away and Iowa was never able to recover. Well, they recovered in a big time way in this one after struggling to shoot the basketball early on. How about this? Iowa started the game one of 10 from the three point line, finished eight of 16. in the post-game press conference. And one thing that Fran talked about here is, first of all, the change in the starting lineup, making the decision to have Peyton Sanford go back to the bench and with it, put the starter role now for Aaron Eulis. Aaron Eulis becomes the point guard. Tony Perkins slides over the two, his more natural position. You continue with Patrick McCaffrey, Chris Murray, and then, of course, in the middle, Philip Robracha. So you made that change right there. One thing that Fran mentioned, though, is you know he didn't want to have it where it felt like everything was pointed at him, right? That it was not the reason that they lost was not Peyton Sanford. Now, Peyton has not played well this year. I, I think we can all see that right now that this has been a disappointing start to the season for him. It came in as a sniper. We talked about the growth that we saw physically out of him this season. He anticipate, you know, a step forward, but you just look through and, and what we've seen out of him. First couple of games out, double figures. He was from the three-point line, three and nine in game one, three and six. Since then, this is what you have from Peyton Sanford at the three-point line. He's your designated shooter, right? He's a guy that you need to have hitting shots. 0-2 against Seton Hall, 0-4 against Omaha, 1-3 against Clemson, 0-3 against TCU, and tonight 1-5. If this team is going to hit the heights that I think they still can hit, they're going to need a whole lot more out of Peyton Sanford. We've talked about this decision before, and it's something that I do like, A, because we've seen Aaron Eulis take a big step forward. 
the wonder with him is first couple of years on campus. Is he is he going to be anything more than just a backup point guard, a guy that can go spells, you know, foul trouble hits and injury hits, those kind of things. He'll be fine. But can he be more than that? I think we've seen this season he can be at least a little bit more than that. We'll see how much more upside is still there. It allows Tony Perkins to do some of the things that he does his best, playing off the ball, getting to the rim, not having to be the facilitator that he is full-time. I still think that's a part of it. And you still have to have an ability for four, five, six minutes a half, have Tony Perkins at that point guard position because I think it really changes the way this Iowa team can play, coupled with Aaron Eulis and what a good defender that he is. And I think you saw that show up. Now, this Georgia Tech team came in, one of the worst three-point shooting teams of a Power 5 level, one of the worst shooting teams in general. And Iowa went zone a bunch. You saw a lot more changing defenses than we've seen in some of the past games out of Iowa here. And I really like that when you have both Perkins and Eulis up front. And you see just how much better that zone defense can be with the quickness and the defensive intensity that you have both out of those guys in comparison to what we've seen in the past. You know, a guy up front like a Jordan Bohannon. Defense was never his calling card, right? To have those kind of guys out there doing the things that they can do, I think really shows the improvement that they have. You don't want to read too much into it. This is a bad Georgia Tech team. This is a team that is going to be at the bottom of the ACC this year, you know, 12, 13, 14, maybe 15, as Notre Dame is also an ACC member. They have 15 members for basketball. They're going to be down there. You know, the Clemson team that we saw over the weekend, a lot better than the squad that we saw from Georgia Tech. But positives, and when they needed, mention that shooting. Early on, one of 10 from the three-point line. Well, how did they keep going? It was offensive rebounds. It was Chris Murray, six offensive rebounds in the first half. Finishes with 20 in the game. Just an absolute incredible number out of him. He was shooting it well, really got things going. A tip of the ball cap, and this is as anticipated, right? What we expected out of Chris Murray after a rough Florida. Yes, he had two double-doubles, but just shooting the basketball was not very good. Four of 14 and four of 17 in those two games against Clemson and TCU. Bounce back, hit and shot, a lot more confidence out of him. A little bit of jaw and all the good things that you want to see out of Chris Murray and this squad. Mentioned Tony Perkins. Uh, one thing that jumped out, you, you still see the quickness, the explosiveness that he has, all the positive things about Tony Perkins. But as he deals with the injury that he has right now on the lower half, trying to figure out exactly how he can play. You still saw some of that explosiveness, but... There's also a few times that he did look a little tentative. And I think that is a question going forward. Is this an injury that is just going to be throughout the season? Something he's going to deal with? Pain tolerance, pain management, that kind of thing is something that is going to be important for him. Or if you kind of look forward at this team and what Iowa has after this huge week coming up next week when they go with Duke and Madison Square Garden, home for Iowa State, home for Wisconsin. You know, after that, after that stretch next week, the last game will be played Sunday, December 11th. You have six days off, and then Southeast Missouri State. Easy win. You play again Wednesday against Eastern Illinois. That's the 21st. And then you have eight days off before Big Ten play begins in earnest at Nebraska on the 29th. I think a lot of time in there where you can hopefully get Tony Perkins right, get him back to 100% or at least as close to it as you can that's going to be a positive development. But they need it, and they're going to need it in a big-time way going forward with what they have on tap for them next week. It was good to get the win, good to get the cover, right? Great team's cover. We didn't get that over that we hit early in the day, but that's all right. We'll be okay on that front. Still, overall, a nice victory for this Iowa squad and a positive one certainly going forward, looking about what they can be, what they're going to be in the future. How about Connor McCaffrey, too? Hitting shots. I mean, he just continues to put up numbers. Game after game after game. And, and if he shoots the ball 
off the bench at this kind of level. Now, to anticipate that he's going to be a guy that's going to be shooting over 50% all season long from three, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but he has hit, what, more than double-figure threes in three games this year, as mentioned, over 50%. We get that Connor McCaffrey coupled with what he did. First, when he came in the game the first time, just he settles everybody down. He gets guys in the right spot. He's a captain. He's a guy that you want out there in those difficult moments. Connor McCaffrey, just so, so good in this one. Rabracha, one thing, Phil, you got to stop bringing the ball back below your waist. Now, this is big guy 101, and he got stripped again, had a couple of plays, had five turnovers in the game. Otto Rabracha just can't afford that. You know he's going to be giving up size. That's going to be the way that it's going to go all season long, but just got to be a little bit better there. Got to tighten that one up. They're running a lot of the offense through Rabracha, and though he's a much better offensive player than we saw a season ago, feels like at times maybe they're a little bit too married to getting it inside. This is not you know, Keegan on the block. This is not certainly Luka Garza. This is a different kind of player. You want to keep him involved. You want to get him some touches, but feels like maybe at times they're doing a little too much on that front. With that, we're going to take a quick time out as we continue here on Locked On Hawkeye. Some football news. A new quarterback in Iowa City, a real possibility. Alex Padilla has entered the transfer portal and the rumors about Cade McNamara, the former Michigan quarterback, what do we know about that? That's all as we continue here on Locked On Hawkeyes. So we got the holidays right around the corner. You're thinking about gifts. So one gift that has been an absolute home run for me, Omaha Steaks. Sent them to my dad. He loves his meat. Loves his steaks, and he couldn't have been more thrilled than what he did. Quality, convenience, and everything you need to deliver in an unforgettable holiday gift experience. Omaha Steaks is America's original butler since 1917 and a holiday gift that's guaranteed to be loved. Holidays are here. Hit it up right now. And the steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together a special curated gift package to take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout. You'll get $30 off your order. Great favorites, guaranteed to impress, like the Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and an easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks, Ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use that promo code locked on at checkout. Omaha Steaks, a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with the complete confidence today, knowing that you're going to get the very best. Promo code locked on at omahasteaks.com. Get that $30 off your order today. Minimum order may be required. Trent Cotta back with you again here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Hit that subscribe button, everybody out there on YouTube. At least we're positive on that front, but battling through here. And uh, certainly the Hawkeyes put me in a good mood with that victory. Earlier today, Alex Padilla 
has entered the transfer portal. We saw, of course, Padilla just two times this year. One in the backup role coming off the bench in the blowout loss to Ohio State. Then after the Spencer Petras injury against Nebraska, it was a guy that was told that he was going to have an opportunity to compete for the starting quarterback role coming into the season. He stuck around. Most people anticipated, myself included, that he was not going to stick around for another year. He did. Got his degree. He is a grad transfer. Good for him. And a lot of positive things, it sounds like, in his future away from the football field. But he's an easy guy to root for. You know, he stuck it out. Would have been easy for him to leave. He didn't. He continued to compete. He continued to be the backup and gave his team a chance on Friday to win that football game. Could have been different. I, th I think it could have. I think with more time, with him being the starter, instead of going back to Petrus again this year, I think we certainly would have seen a better offense out of the Hawkeyes this year, but that's all water under the bridge at this point in time. It's not to say that Alex Padilla is great. He's not. He's got his limitations, both size-wise and touch on the football. Would those things get better? Well, the size wouldn't, but I think touch would with more playing time. But all that aside, you know, we're, we're going to be arguing about this a lot in the offseason. Be it go back home to Colorado where he's from, Northern Colorado, go to Colorado State, you know, something like that. Whatever it is, an easy guy to root for what his future is going to be. But the continued rumors about Cade McNamara. Interesting stuff here. And this has been talked about here over the last couple of weeks. In fact, we talked about it right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. And that's why you don't want to listen, miss an episode because we give you the nuggets. You know, I am not a newsbreaker. That is not my job. That is not what I do. I am a provocateur. I am somebody that talks about rumors that are out there. I don't break news. Every once in a while, I'll get a tip, but that's about it. And I'll always put it in that fashion. I don't have multiple sources. It's nothing like that. But I told you here on this very podcast just a couple of weeks ago that these rumblings, that these rumors were out there on Twitter, on message boards about a connection to Cade McNamara. And the question that I continue to have about that is how? How does this come in to being? He was still at Michigan. He had just had surgery a couple of weeks back. The other thing was Iowa did not recruit him out of high school. You know, a lot of these transfers that you hear about and when things are already kind of in motion and it feels like it goes so quickly, it's because there's a prior relationship, right? There's a relationship that makes a whole lot of sense and it's very easy. Record him out of high school, same position coach that was recruiting that area. They've been in contact the whole time, yada, yada, yada. Boom, he's at the new university here. Not the case with the connection to Cade McNamara until... David Eichel with 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com, told me today on my radio show that there is a connection with the Iowa staff, and that is John Budmeyer, the quarterback uh, coach that came in this year in a, uh, what is it, an assistant role, not even an assistant coach role, it is an advisor role, and he had a connection to Cade's older brother, who was with him when Budmeyer was at Colorado State. So that's where the connection starts here. I uh, saw a screenshot of his dad yesterday. Debilitating is that going to be? How impactful is it going to be? Because they need him to be the kind of guy that you'd anticipate can put up a guy that can move around in the pocket. Cade McNamara is not Johnny Manziel. He is not a guy that runs around and make plays. In fact, you know, maybe in terms of short area quickness, 
Alex Padilla might be a little bit quicker than him, but he's smart in the pocket. He knows how to move around. He can duck it. He can get the first down. It's an upgrade in terms of physical ability, running ability, certainly, over what we've seen over the last three years of Spencer Petras. My other question, though, and back to that connection with John Budmeyer. Now, I have to see it in order for to believe a change is going to happen at offensive coordinator. I, I don't know if I'm just too beat down that, that I can't see the forest through the trees here, but until I see Brian Ferentz resign, until I see a firing of the 130-ranked offense in the country this year, I got to see it to believe it, and that's where I am. If you are Cade McNamara, if you're a wide receiver, if you're an offensive lineman, you obviously want to know who the offensive coordinator is going to be and what this offense is going to look like in the future. Is this a very simple transition? Is it Brian moving on in whatever capacity that is? And is it leading to Bud Meyer, who did call plays a year ago, was the offensive coordinator at Colorado State, he becoming the new offensive coordinator? Personally, I would absolutely hate that. like that. I know people talk about maybe a possibility of a guy like Paul Christ. A, I think it would be incredibly difficult for Paul Christ to come in and after being the leader that he was come in and, and be a coach under Kirk. I don't see that being a marriage that makes a whole lot of sense, but a lot of things out there. Here's the question though. The question is, is Iowa willing to pay? Look around the country. Brought this up a few weeks back and we were talking about Utah. Love their offense. I think it's something that could work for the way that Iowa plays, right? It makes a lot of sense. You do that. What they do, the way that they recruit, very, very much in flavor that makes a ton of sense of what Iowa could be going forward offensively. And then I looked in Andy Ludwig, their offensive coordinator, makes $2.5 million a year at Utah. Is Iowa willing to pay? Because to go out and get an offensive coordinator that's going to completely rebuild this program, this offensive program, and do things in a positive way. And for Kirk to be hands-off and allowing that to happen, you're going to have to have the right guy, right? You're going to have to have a guy that you're going to go out there and you're going to have to spend. Last year, Brian, $900,000, Phil Parker, a million. So if you go out and spend two and a half, three million million, $3 million for an offensive coordinator, somebody to fix this thing, on top of it, you also got to pay Phil. You got to pay Phil Parker. If you're paying that offensive coordinator two and a half million, you got to do the exact same for Phil Parker. I mean, what he has done and how he has kept this program afloat. Without Phil Parker, where would they be right now? It's it's a question I think you really have to ponder because I'll tell you, this team defensively and special teams without them, whew, we're mired in the muck, and we're talking about hanging out with Northwestern down in the cellar of the Big Ten West. Alas, we still got them but you're not going to have to pay them if you're going to go out and spend that kind of money also for a coordinator. Kirk, hey, give up some of that salary. Put it back into the coaching pool. It's only going to help your program. That's what needs to happen. Had a question also about this. Brian Ferentz, his future, and if it would make sense for him to become the offensive line coach where he was when he began his tenor, tenure at the University of Iowa. We'll talk about that as we continue here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Trent kind of back with you one final time. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. 
For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. We wrap things up here today. A question that I know a whole bunch throughout, really, the last couple of years. If Brian Ferentz departs, or if at the very least he is going to be pushed out of his role as offensive coordinator. We've talked about the numbers. They're not pretty. Not just the last two years. Over his six-year tenure, it has been bad. It has been worse than Greg Davis. It's been certainly worse than Ken O'Keefe. It has been, any way you slice it, bad offense over the last six years. So what do you do? Many people believe he's a good offensive line coach. Obviously, that's his background. That's where he played at the University of Iowa. It's where he had a chance at the next level. You think he can do those kind of things? I just, I think you need a fresh start. I get the sentiment. And maybe that would make it a little more palpable for Kirk to still be able to have his son around, still be able to go through things and, and maybe put a happy ending on the way this is finished up. And I think that's maybe even a part of it too. But firing him would be incredibly difficult. And even if it obviously doesn't come exactly from Kirk, it comes from the athletic director, Gary Barta. Just think of that conversation. I mean, think of firing your kid from a job and how difficult it is. Now, if you go back and hear me on the radio six years ago when it happened, or even further back than that, when he came from New England to become the offensive line coach at Iowa, that's why I was never a proponent of that. But that aside... Just think of that. And that's where we're in the situation that we are. Timeline, what makes sense? Bill O'Brien, very close with Brian Ferentz. Those two guys have been connected for a long time. Doesn't make sense that we see if Bill O'Brien gets a job for Brian to go with him and take whatever that job would be. I think that's a real possibility. But if it's an NFL job, you're talking about waiting until the middle of January. The transfer portal opens up officially on the 5th. That is when guys are able to sign with their new teams. That's Monday. You got 45 days, I believe it is, where the transfer portal window is open. And are you just going to leave this program twisting in the wind? Are you just going to be sitting here and saying, "Eh, it'll be okay, we'll figure it out. I just don't think you can afford to do that. With what Wisconsin did, going out and getting Luke Fickle. Matt Rule now at Nebraska. P.J. Fleck, he's not going there. Yeah, we got him this year again, but is that going to continue in perpetuity? We know it's not. Matt Campbell, they had a disappointing year at Iowa State, but it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. And on and on and on. Bielema, that team's just going to get better and better. That's what you're dealing with. Oh, and by the way, after next year, the Big Ten West is going away, and you're adding USC, a win away from the college football playoff, and UCLA with Chip Kelly at a 9-3 record. I mean, those teams are also joining your conference, and you're going to have to finish in the top two just to get to a conference championship game. That's where it is. That's where you are. I just don't think at this point in time, Iowa can afford to wait, to sit back and say, yeah, we'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Too important right now. Too much else going on within your teams that you're battling against in the Big Ten West and the future of the conference. It's an important time. Kirk, he's pulled this program out from the depths many times before. Does he got one more in him? We will have to wait and see. Well, that'll do it for today here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Iowa gets a win in basketball. That was great to see. Thanks again for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day.
Just listen, check out Don Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Schedule a little funky this week because I was battling some illness. LaShawn, he plans to join us a little bit later in the week. We'll see if we can track down biz. Talk plenty of basketball, lots of football. Women's team, big week. And next week is Cyhawk week on both the women's and men's side. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. We'll all do that here as we roll through. This is Locked On Hawkeyes.